You're listening to the RV Homeschool Podcast, where we make travel educational and fun. Are you ready to head back in time with me as we travel to Mesa Verde National Park? So the first thing to discuss is the location for Mesa Verde National Park. It's located in southwest Colorado, not really easily accessible from either I-25 or I-70, which are the main two interstates in Colorado. From I-25, you actually have to get onto Highway 160 and and take that towards the west. Um, But it is really nicely located if you're going to see other sites in Utah, maybe even if you're going to hit up the Grand Canyon or you're trying to hit up some of the other southern Colorado National Parks. Of course, Mesa Verde is one of four national parks in Colorado. It was established in 1906, which makes it one of the oldest national parks and the first one that was dedicated to preserve archaeological heritage. This isn't really a park that's about amazing mountains or these vast landscapes, although it does have some cool desert views, but its focus is really about the homes and the look into a culture over a thousand years ago. So there's 5,000 archaeological sites that are protected at Mesa Verde and over 600 cliff dwellings. But there's a few major ones that are most photographed and more visited. So we'll be talking about those in the podcast today. First, let's talk about logistics. So our recent trip to Mesa Verde was in the end of August and early September. So technically, it was actually Labor Day weekend. The temps were in the upper 80s and sometimes even getting into the 90s during the day, and then it would cool down to about 50s at night. So that's not uncommon in a very desert-like climate like this for it to drop 30, 40 degrees at night. So it'll be cool at night. You'll want sweaters and stuff, but um, obviously very hot in the day. The entrance to Mesa Verde National Park is just off of Highway 160, and right when you exit you're at pretty much at the visitor center and you can go into the visitor center and um, learn a bit about the park and everything before you actually have to go through the entrance gates to um, show your park pass and get into the full park. So the visitor center is just right there. Don't skip the visitor center. It is really cool. They have a bunch of big displays that are set up where they talk about the history and they're actually showing what life was like in in these cliff dwellings back then for the ancient people that were here. There's, of course, the gift shop there, the park movie, um, stuff like that. But the educational stuff is really worth stopping. Plus, you get your tour tickets here. And I highly recommend doing one of the tours. There used to be four tours at Mesa Verde. Spruce House was one of those tours, but Spruce House has been um, dealing with some damage, erosion issues with weather and stuff. So they're not really allowing any foot traffic in there. So they have that closed to visitors and it's been closed a few years. So I'm not sure that's going to reopen. But the other three tours that they do still have that occur are Longhouse, Cliff Palace, and Balcony House. And we'll talk a little bit about all three of those. The things to know about the tours is that you have to, um, well, 
You want to buy your tickets in advance, but you can only get them up to two days in advance, and you have to do it at the actual park. So this isn't one of those places where you can go online and book some tickets on a date when you know you're going to be there to visit. You actually have to be there in person to buy your tickets. Um, which might create a little bit of a problem for some people. The the tours do sell out. I have friends that went in the end of April. So, you know, school's still in session. They thought it wouldn't be too busy. And they were down there for three days and they never could get into a tour. Now they have six people in the family, but still they, they couldn't get anything within the two-day stretch um, that they could go to. So it does happen that they sell out. I would highly recommend to try to go the first day that you get into town and go buy the tickets for whatever date you want to do your tours. The tours are $5 per person per tour, and you can't do all three of Longhouse, Cliff Palace, and Balcony House, but if you do Longhouse, that's a longer tour. You can do either the Cliff Palace or Balcony House, or you could also do Cliff Palace and Balcony House both on a day, so they do allow for that. It is about 43 minutes from the visitor center to the drive all the way to where the Cliff Palace ruins are at and Balcony House and and Longhouse is probably even a little bit more because it's on a different road. So you'll want to plan for the fact that from the point that you're exiting Highway 160, it's going to take you probably an hour to get to where the location is for the tour and trying to be there a few minutes early so you don't miss the tour. It's not the kind of thing that you can just jump in on if you arrive late because you're not going to be able to have access into the site anymore. It's also not the kind of thing that you can um, leave for a bathroom break or anything. So be sure, especially if you have little ones with you, that you do that bathroom break at the start of the tour. We did our tours early in the day, um, pretty much, well, not quite the first tours. I think the tours started at nine, which would have meant arriving into the park by eight. And I just know my family, we weren't doing that on that day. So we, I think we were on 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock tour for the one tour. And then we did noon for the second tour. And that was nice because it was earlier in the day before it got super hot. The tours, Part of the tours have you climbing on ladders, and even though the ladders are made of wood, they're really kind of worn down from the oils in people's hands, so they get really hot. So either have some sort of gloves with you, like driving gloves, or do your tours earlier in the day, or maybe later when the when the sun's not directly onto the ruins. And the other thing to know about um, the logistics of Mesa Verde is don't wait to do this park. Don't say, I'm going to wait until I'm retired and um, my kids won't care about this anyway because it's such an ancient site or something. Don't wait to do it because there's a lot of strenuous hiking. There's walking down a lot of stairs. There's climbing on ladders. And if you wait until you're too old to do that type of stuff, you're not going to be able to see much of the park because you, you really have to be hands-on and be able to be mobile and get around in order to see the park. So the first tour that I wanted to talk about is Cliff Palace. So Cliff Palace is the most popular and most photographed area of Mesa Verde. If you've seen pictures of Mesa Verde, you're probably looking at the view of Cliff Palace. According to the NPS site, they say that 75% of the cliff dwellings have just one to five rooms. That's typical of one of the cliff dwellings. But Cliff Palace has 150 rooms and 23 kivas, which just makes it 
huge. It's phenomenally large. Um, I think it's the largest of the cliff dwellings that are there. I'm pretty sure it is. And getting down to it, you actually have to hike down multiple stairs as part of a ranger led tour. You cannot go down and see fully see the cliff palace without being on a ranger led tour. So this is why it's so important to have tour tickets and be part of the tours. But when you're going with the ranger, you can hike down the stairs and they kind of have an overhang area where you sit for a while and you can listen to the ranger as they're talking about some items with Cliff Palace. And then you start walking onto kind of the front edge of Cliff Palace and you can kind of get up close and really be able to see everything. You even stop at some of the kivas and you're standing around the kivas learning about the importance of the kivas and what they think the purpose was for those structures. So you definitely get to kind of be by the ruins and see everything that's there. That makes it a really exciting place to visit and a really cool tour to see. And then you actually climb a ladder to hike your way out of the cliff dwelling to get out of that space. So it's really cool, very neat to see. And depending on who your ranger is that's leading the tour, you're probably going to learn something different. You could probably do the tour twice on the same day, which they're not gonna let you do in terms of buying tickets. But let's say you went back two days in a row if you had a different ranger, you're going to get a totally different perspective about that um, site. And maybe you have a ranger who's a weaver, or you have somebody who knows the history a little bit better. We actually had somebody who had ancestors who would have been the Native people who were in that area. So he brought this Native American perspective to it that we had never heard before. And definitely the the history books and all the stuff I had that prepped us could not have prepped us for that experience. So that was really incredible. And we were just so grateful that we had him leading our tour. The second tour that we did on this recent trip was Balcony House. And I've done Cliff Palace a number of times. I've been going to Mesa Verde since a kid, but this is the first time that I've done Balcony House. And I have to say it might be my favorite tour. For sure, Cliff Palace is definitely cool to see because you're talking about the largest cliff dwellings, the main site that you're seeing that's photographed. But if you can, try to add Balcony House onto your itinerary, especially if you have older kids who are able to kind of walk independently and they're not going to need your help for ladders and stairs. So maybe your five might be the earliest. We had a six-year-old with us and she she did okay. She got a little scared on one of the ladders. Um, I definitely would not do this with anything, any kids that are younger because you'd be worrying about them falling over the edge. It's not necessarily super secure and it's difficult to do some of the climbing. But the balcony house is a cliff dwelling where you're walking down a lot of stairs to get to it. And then you have a number of different kind of ladders. Um, There's ladders that the national parks have put in place because it used to just be stone, the the big rock, and you could see the finger impressions that they would have used to climb into the area. Fortunately, we don't have to work that hard. They have ladders in place, but they're tall ladders and it's a little scary. So if you have trouble with heights or um, being on ladders, I wouldn't recommend this tour, but if you're okay with that, there's some really cool things to see. There's also some tight spaces where you're actually going into the dwelling and you're walking through some spaces where it's only 18 inches wide. So at one point in time, Jeremy almost had to kind of turn his body sideways to fit his shoulders through the opening and be able to get out of the 
cliff dwellings, which was super cool. I thought it was super funny. Um, and it was really neat to just be down there and be totally engrossed in this cliff dwelling. So that is balcony house tour. And then the last tour that they have is longhouse. I've never actually done the longhouse tour. It's a little bit longer. It's two hours in length versus cliff palace and balcony house are both one hour tours. Longhouse is also on a different road. So from the time that you come in in the visitor center, you drive down for a while and then the road will fork. And if you head out to the Weatherill Mesa, you can get to where Longhouse is located. And it's like 12 miles from that point in time. And this is a road that's only open seasonally. So in the winter, they don't bother clearing this area and you can't do the Longhouse tour. But if you're going during, you know, spring, well, maybe late spring, summer and fall, you can head out and do this tour. It is, like I said, it's two hours. You do kind of go into the cliff dwelling, much like the other ones. Um, So probably a cool one to see. Maybe if you don't want as many other people around you, maybe it's a little bit less um, congested of an area compared to the area where Cliff Palace and Balcony House are. They're very close to each other. As you're coming down that road, it actually makes a little bit of a loop, and they're both along that loop. So you can do... Cliff Palace tour, and then two hours later, you can book your tour for Balcony House if you time it right. And by the time you finish, or or vice versa, do Balcony House first, and then two hours later, do Cliff Palace. And then you'll have a little bit of time to get from one site to the other, bathroom break, load up on water, stuff like that. Be sure you're drinking lots of water because this is the desert and it gets hot and you are doing so much walking and hiking around that you're likely to get dehydrated. So those are some of the great features about Mesa Verde National Park. There's also a visitor center that's kind of at the midpoint when you do um, the branch for the two different roads. Farview Visitor Center, I think it's called. Sorry, I forgot to write that one down. But I just wanted to mention it because they have a museum there. So if you're interested in seeing some of the artifacts that have been brought out from the different digs that have gone on there, you're able to see that. They have some great dioramas that are set up to show what the ancient life was like in, you know, 700 AD. And then as you're moving up to like 1300 AD, so you can kind of see the progression of the cliff dwellings and then moving to making the structures up above ground. Um, and it's just really cool to see over there. There's also rangers there. So the kids, if they're doing junior ranger projects or, uh, working on their packets, they can turn those in there or talk to the rangers there. Some of the other things to mention are other things that are in this area that you might want to see while you're down there and maybe you didn't know about. The first is Canyon of the Ancients. And Canyon of the Ancients is just a little bit north and west of Mesa Verde. Uh, The museum for it is actually in a town called Dolores, and it's kind of near the reservoir that they have there. The museum is really great. They have a lot of hands-on exhibits. They show what a whole housing structure would it look like and you're it's kind of like you're underground looking at some of this um so it's really neat to see they even have microscopes setting out so you can look at artifacts under microscopes and just a lot of cool things that bring it to life for the kids um the thing to know about the sites for canyon of the ancients is they're kind of all spread around that southwestern area of, of Colorado. So probably within about an hour of the Canyon of the Ancients Museum, you can get to any of the individual sites, but it is a bit of a drive. 
So I think from the time that we left the museum and drove out to Lowry Pueblo, which is the largest of the ruins, it took us maybe 30 minutes or so. And actually, our oldest daughter, our eight-year-old, was saying, Mom, I think you're lost. Let's just go home That's at one point in time. Because we were driving on, you know, almost by private properties and on dirt roads and probably not the kind of place that you're going to want to try to take your RV. But if you have another vehicle with you, it's really cool to go to these sites because not only are you seeing life a little bit later than the time of the um, cliff dwellings that you would see in Mesa Verde, but you're also seeing these structures that are built above ground and you can actually really go up to them. And even sometimes in them at Lowry Pueblo, they even have a little bit of a protection built up so you can walk in and be on the internal Kiva and kind of see what that looks like. So, um, it's really cool that it's so accessible and the kids can really just kind of run around and be near these ruins. Um, of course, being respectful of things, you're not getting onto the walls and stuff like that, but you get to be really up close and personal. Another thing that is not too far, if you're already going to drive up to Canyon of the Ancients and head out to Lowry Pueblo, you might as well drive over to Hoven Weep National Monument. So this is maybe a half hour drive from Lowry Pueblo. It's actually technically in Utah, but it's really cool to see. There's some really neat sites. Even if you're just driving by and you're coming in from Utah and you just want to stop here, you can literally stop here for 15 minutes, walk out to the overlook and really see a bunch of the cliff dwellings that are along this small canyon in this area. If you have a little bit more time, like say 45 minutes or an hour, you can hike along the path along the edge of the canyon on the top and you can get out to where Hovenweep Castle is at. And that's the photographed spot that you usually see when people are talking about Hovenweep National Monument. It's the big structure and it kind of comes up. It looks like a castle. So it's really cool to see it's not that far of a walk. If you have a couple of hours, like two or three hours, you can actually take the path all the way around the canyon and you can see the cliff dwellings from all angles of that, which I'm sure would allow for some really cool photography. We hit this up later in the evening. We got to see Hovenweep as the sun was setting, which was really a cool look and it was really neat. But the park office was technically closed. We were running out of light and you know, the desert and being along the edge of a canyon where there's hardly any light is not necessarily the place you want to be after dark. So we did not do the full walk around it, but 45 minutes was plenty enough time to go out to see the castle. Another thing that's in the area is Four Corners. So Four Corners is the point where New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, and Colorado states all come together and meet up at Four Corners. And it's the only place where four states actually all intersect at the same time. It's kind of cool because there's a big medallion that's at the point of the Four Corners. Technically, if you pulled out your GPS, you're not really at the Four Corners, but you're as close as the highway was going to bring you to Four Corners. Anyway, you can stand on this medallion, you can be right there, and you can have your family we have a family of four and we wanted to get a picture where all four of us are in a different state, but all in the same picture. You can do that type of thing at Four Corners. Unfortunately, it is about an hour drive out of town from you know Cortez or Dolores or wherever you're staying. So it's a bit of a drive and really all you're there to see is the point where the Four Corners meet together. And then there's some shopping center type areas um, that are right there, not even like full centers, but kind of like 
Indian Trading Post type of deal. So if you want that, you want to see that, and it really matters to you to see Four Corners, then for sure, by all means, stop. But um, we didn't feel like that was a must-do thing for our kiddos. The other thing that's out in this area, if you are a National Parks junkie and you're very excited about hitting all the NPS sites, you'll probably notice that Yucca House National Monument is down in this area. And But you're also not going to find a lot of information if you try to Google and find the NPS site and everything about Yucca House. So the deal with Yucca House is that it's actually on private property. So they don't necessarily advertise it as a place where they want visitors to come. They don't have any sort of visitor center. They don't have a junior rangers program, anything like that. You actually can find quite a bit of information about Yucca House when you're at the Canyon of the Ancients. Uh, museum. So they have some more information about Yucca House, but there's not anything that's at the Yucca House site. I think technically you're allowed to walk on the private property and go up to where the um, dwellings are to see the monument if it really matters to you to see that. But I don't know, just be warned that I heard that as a few years ago, this was still okay. But because it's private property, you never know how people are going to respond if you're trying to walk along their property and head there. So, you know, it's probably not the kind of thing you want to add to your itinerary unless it really matters to you to see that monument. The last thing I wanted to talk to you about was camping. So in terms of camping options, there's really probably three main towns that you could consider staying in for a Mesa Verde National Park trip. The first one is Durango, Colorado. And Durango is really a cool town. There's a ton to do. There's university there, hospital there. I mean, it's a big town. There's, of course, the railroad that will go from Durango up to Silverton. And that is a super cool experience to do and see. Um, there's also the million dollar highway. So if you headed North off of 160 highway, 160, you could head up and go to Silverton and Uray and see all those beautiful towns, which are really incredible to see. So Durango is a super great town. The one thing to know though, is that it's pretty far from Mesa Verde national park. So it's about a 40 minute drive West on highway 160 to get to the exit for Mesa Verde National Park from Durango. And like I mentioned, from the point that you get off at the exit and you're at the visitor center, you still have a good 45 minutes till you're down to where the actual sites are at. So that will make for a very long day if you're staying in Durango. But if you care about having that town feel and a lot of cool stuff to do and other things to experience in the town, Durango is probably going to be your best bet for that. And there's a lot of different camping options that are in Durango. The next place to consider is Dolores, Colorado. So this is really northwest of Mesa Verde, almost, yeah, almost directly north. Um, It's probably about a 20-minute drive to the visitor center for Mesa Verde. It's close to a reservoir. So if you want to do some water stuff, this would be a good option. And it's really close to Canyon of the Ancients. So if it matters to you to go to that museum and do a lot of the stuff with the Canyon of the Ancients, this is going to be a nice spot for you to be at. It's also a bit greener because you have the Dolores River down there. So you have a little bit more for um, vegetation and stuff. It won't feel quite so dry. And then the last place to mention is Cortez. And Cortez, Colorado is actually where we stayed. 
it's more of a desert feel. So you definitely have a sagebrush and um, cactus and a lot of dirt. Um, it's maybe not necessarily the safest town. We had to stop at the Walmart just to pick up a few groceries and there were a lot of homeless people kind of in the parking lot and um, you could just tell that maybe they have to amp up their security because they had a lot of security cameras all along the lamppost for the lighting. And then when I went to leave the Walmart and I had to show my receipt and my cart of items in order to get out of the Walmart store. And I've never had that experience. So I got the sense that it's not necessarily the safest town. In terms of staying there though, we stayed at the Cortez Mesa Verde KOA and I definitely felt like this was a great place to stay. I felt like it was safe. I talked to the owner as soon as I pulled in and I asked about safety stuff. They haven't had any issues. She and her husband are new owners. They actually just bought it in at Memorial Day. And they're making a lot of kind of nice improvements and upgrades. And she said that they live there. So they're there watching things all the time. Because, of course, we were leaving our RV during the day as we were going to explore. So I thought that it was safe enough. I felt like it was a good place to stay. It also had a pool. And when you're in the desert and you're hiking around and it's in the upper 80s in September, you can imagine how hot it is in the summer months if you're trying to do this, you know, when kids are out of school and stuff. It's going to be hot and you're going to be really grateful that they have a pool there because they do have a pool. They also have really level sites. It's it's kind of, you know, gravel and desert and desert landscaped, but that's fine. That's what you would expect for the area. They have a really nice dog park that was, I think, a couple of acres in size. It was gated, so you could just let your dog run loose in the in the dog park, which was super cool. You do need to watch out for rattlesnakes, though. A lot of rattlesnakes in this part of the state. Um, actually, you could have rattlesnakes in most anywhere in Colorado except the high mountains, but you definitely could have them here. So just um, keep your eye on that and just be wary of that. We live in Colorado and our dogs have been bit by rattlesnakes. It's not necessarily um, a death sentence for them too. So don't worry too much if you see rattlesnakes. Generally, if you do see a rattlesnake, you just back away from it. They virtually don't want to mess with you. So the only time they usually do is if you know somebody's running or riding a bike or something and it comes up and startles the rattlesnake and then that's when people tend to get struck or people are trying to like reach out and touch it. Um, Jeremy, of course, is an ER doc and you wouldn't believe how many times they've seen rattlesnake bikes on the hands from people trying to grab them. <laughs> um, we also have a video review on our YouTube channel with the Cortez Mesa Verde KOA. So if you want to see some images and video of the KOA, you can check that out. So I hope that overall this was a good introduction to Mesa Verde National Park. It gives you some ideas about staying there and the logistics and places you might want to visit. I highly recommend it as a place to go to. I, I would list it in one of my top 10. I know we've only been to uh, 25-ish or so of the national parks, but I just think it's really cool. It's really unique. Um, it definitely has some beautiful landscape, but ultimately it's about learning about this time in history and really learning about American history as far back as, as we can go. So it's really neat to see these civilizations that were here a long time before us. So hopefully you found this useful. Thanks for listening.